When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN SC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio today by Ali Moreno and Stevie Nicker. We'll kick things off with the league leaders. Eight points is the lead that Arsenal have at the top of the table ahead of Manchester City. Hint, hint, love and eight. Great expectations. Arsenal storm clear at the top. Just a handful of some of the headphone, head, headphones headlines in the UK newspapers. There's confirmation of the lead that they have now after that victory against Spurs. City, of course, losing it against United. Let's bring in Don Hutchinson, shall we? Don, Arsenal, blue and egg. Incredible. You asked me about two weeks ago what were the chances, and I, and I sat here and said 50-50. I think it's 60-40 in their favour. I think they're absolutely flying. I mean, no surprise when you chat Tottenham. I mean, seven times this season they've been 2-0 behind. So that script was obviously going to happen. But I tell you what, Arsenal are just passing tests every single week, Dan. Every time they chalk off a win, they're just passing another test and they keep rolling on. Nobody had Arsenal winning the league. We debated whether or not they'd make the top four. Yep. What's happened? How's this working so well? <sighs> My goodness. Why don't you ask me what's going wrong? Because there's nothing. Where do you start? You know, I take, actually, one of, the, one of the best signings that they've ever made recently, that we all laughed at, most of us anyway, was Ramsdale. Because of the cost, yeah. Because, well, why are you, why are you buying Ramsey? Yeah. You've got Leno. Why are you spending 30 million on, on Ramsdale? Yep. The guy has been absolutely fantastic. And actually, I would play him instead of Pickford for England. He's come up, he's come up with saves when they've needed it. And they haven't needed it that often. That's how good the back line's been. Again, Saliba. Inspirational since he came back. No question. Party and Shaka in the middle of the park have been as good a two. Well, they have been the best pairing in the Premier League all season. Mm -hmm. And then up front, Martinelli and Saka on the wide areas getting after defences. I mean, so right through the middle of the team, from the back to the middle to the front, They've got ability, they've got quality, and everybody's at the best, you know? And whenever a question's asked, which hasn't been that often because they've been so consistent, so consistently good, that when a question has been asked, every single time they've stepped up and answered the bell, whether it's Ramsdale, whether it's Saliba at the back, or Party and Shaka, or the forwards. I mean, just every single thing, every facet of their game is absolutely brilliant right now. Everyone has found like an extra gear, mm. in particular Odegaard, who's one of the best players in the league at the moment. Never even mentioned yeah. him. The level of confidence that individually most of these players are going through is incredibly high, and success begets success. And so that confidence is individual, that confidence as a team, but you don't see it better display than with Martin Odegaard, who has been... A player who has had relative success wherever he he's flashes, gone. Uh, flashes, that's it. Relative success. You cannot go, hey, this guy has something. Maybe this guy can be something. But you're not thinking that he was going to be what he has been for Arsenal. To the point to where you don't even expect 
there's a sense of leadership with Martin Odegaard as well. That it's not just the presence of a guy who, oh, I'm just going to get in between spaces here. I'm going to turn. I'm going to find a. I'm going to find an assist here or a goal there. No, it's a guy who is getting the ball in high pressure moments. Is yeah, give me the ball. I'll find an answer. I'll be able to figure out where the outlet is going to be. I'll be the outlet myself, and I'll transition this team forward. That in itself tells you it's a high level of confidence. But now, because you're winning games, because you're excited to show up. That allows you a certain level of freedom that you're seeing with Odegaard, but you're seeing with a lot of players in Arsenal. This team has to be a whole lot of fun to show up for training, and that's what you want as a professional, that you show up for training knowing with certainty that your best is not only going to compete, but more times than not, it's going to win. We've seen Klopp do it. We've seen, obviously, Guardiola do it as well. And what's impressed with Arteta, Don, is that he's made these players better. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I was thinking that um, when the team graphic come up there and someone in Granit Xhaka that I think we all thought was probably done it at Arsenal um, 18 months ago, or if not a little bit longer, the tantrums, uh, throwing the armband, having to go at the Arsenal fans, getting sent off three or four times a season. Um, it was a little bit of a loose cannon at times, but he's come in, uh, the, new, the manager, and he's, he's got an arm around him. He's told him. Um, he took the cap- captaincy off, off, off him and he's given it to Erdegaard, which is just a, a genius stroke because... Sometimes every every individual Dan football player takes a little bit of time to mature. And I think Erdogan's that. He's obviously went to Real Madrid at a massive club when he was 16. Then he went to Sociedad and done quite well. Then he actually didn't quite get in Arsenal's first team when he first came and signed. But he's matured really well. But you're right. I think it's the players that Mikel Arteta has improved I bang on about Newcastle and Eddie Howe, the job that he's done and how many players he's improved. He's starting to do it now. Even without Jesus as well. They missed, on, missed out on the sign and the Mudrick at the weekend didn't phase them whatsoever. So they passed the Newcastle test. They passed the North London test. The next one is Man United. If they beat them, my word, you have to take them really, really seriously to win the title. At the other end of the spectrum is, of course, Arsenal's opponents that we saw in Spurs who just... I don't know. What, what did you say about Spurs? They're just... They're an above-average football team who don't get out of the players they have what they should, in my opinion. Because every now and again, we'll see periods of play where they look fantastic, particularly going forward. But then... Who's fault is that? Is that Conte or the players? I would have to suggest it's both. You know, Conte has to take... You know, we've just sat here and and talked about, about Arsenal, how the manager has got the best out of the players. Well, you can't say that about Conte. So he has to take some, some criticism for that. But the players as well. You know, as I said, you look at it on paper, they've got, they got ability all around the team. But it doesn't, it doesn't perform consistently enough, well, to, 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 to challenge for the title. It's, it's, it seems like it's always going to be a team that's challenging for a top four right. as opposed to the title. And, and the frustrating thing, if I was a Spurs fan, Don, is that you're not even being entertained. Mm. Well, Jose had the same sort of methods when he was the manager and the players and the fans got on board when he was winning. But as soon as you start losing games, it's negative and then the fans just lose interest. Everyone gets a little bit doom and gloom. It's a carbon copy with Antonio Conte. The question I would ask, because is it the players, is it the manager? You can go behind Dan in a game 2-0 and you might have it once or twice. To go behind seven times by the scoreline of 2-0 this season, that suggests to me that the manager's not that inspiring in his team talk. Because he can't be setting these players up to go, do you know what, let's go behind because we're really good when we go behind and we normally come back and win. <laughs> so his team talks, I'm thinking when I listen to him after the game, he's always a little bit moody. 
And there's always like a little agenda. Fair play to him at the weekend. I thought he'd go in heavy, but he didn't. He tried to protect the players. But I wonder what the players are thinking half an hour, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes before kickoff. When he's yeah, but not don't, inspiring why do you need a team? team? It's a North London derby. You're against a team that's top of the team. Why do you need a team tour? Why do I need a manager well, to, to motivate me? Surely you should have that within yourself as a player. Absolutely, correct. And some of them probably haven't. But at the same time, Dan, I keep going back to they've gone behind tw- by two goals seven times. So it must be on the manager. The manager must, must not be inspiring this team to go out in the first 5, 10, 15 minutes. You're right. North London Derby doesn't need a team talk. Make sure you get on the front foot. Make sure you put your tackles in. Make sure you compete. Hopefully we've got enough in Son and Kulusevski and Kane. We've got good moments. You look at the teams on paper and you can see Spurs are probably four or five players behind Arsenal. I think, I think all the lads would probably agree on that. But still, it's just it's the same picture. It's the same story every week. You can absolutely hear before the game, Conte talking about not making mistakes, don't give them anything, don't leave them any spaces. So if you're going on the field thinking like that, as good as you may be individually, if you're all thinking that way, then you're rigid, you're stiff, you're, you know, as opposed to, do you know what, let's get out, let's get after it. From the first whistle, we're going forward, we're going that way. And it's a completely different mindset. Why can't he change his tact in that sense, given what he's seen obviously hasn't been working? Can you tell me any side he's coached that has played that way? Right. None of them. Not even Juventus. But why has it been so successful in the past? He's had the players. He had the best players at Juventus in Italy. Well, he took them, I believe he took them up, right? But they still had the best players. He went and bought players at Inter, had the best players. Now he's got not the best players. And so they're inconsistent. And he hasn't done, he hasn't done what Ateta's done. He hasn't made the players any better. There's not one player on that team that you can say is better mm. since Conte went there. You can say that about Ateta. So it's got to be down to the manager. It has to be the manager. As Don says, seven times you go 2-0 down, that tells you that at the start of the game, your mind's not in the right place. And absolutely, it's the manager's job to make sure that everybody's mind, before that whistle goes, is in the right place and in the right frame of mind to win the game. Not, not draw or not give anything away, but to win the game. I, I agree with you, Stephen. I agree with Don in that, yes, this is the manager's responsibility in that sense. But there have been many managers with this core group of players with Spurs. And we seem to see the same sort of story with Spurs year after year after year. So if I'm a guy like Harry Kane that has been there for year, for year after year after year after year, Hugo Lloris, guys of a whole lot of experience that have gone through this and that would think the same things that we're thinking, hey, we're at home. Let's go on the front foot. Let's go on tag, win the first tackle, win, win the first challenge. If it's not coming from the manager, it also has to come from the players. Those are the guys executing out on the field. And see, and if the mindset of the group is that we're going to be on their side and we're willing to pressure higher of the field and we're willing to fight and we're going to get this crowd with us for the first 10 minutes because guess what? We're going to be competing for everything. It creates a different atmosphere, but you're not seeing it from the players. So we can lean on Conte, and rightfully so. But the players bear responsibility as well. So Spurs, out of the title race. I don't think there's anyone that's going to argue that they can fight until the end of the season and compete with the likes of Arsenal City and 
Manchester United. This is what Varane had to say about their title chances. Everything is possible. We'll just take it game by game. It's a long way to go and it's very difficult. The intensity of every game is incredible. The physical effort. Let's take a look then at the odds as it stands. Arsenal favourites for first time this season. City 11 to 8. Newcastle 33 to 1. Manchester United 12 to 1. Right, Don, here we go. This is what everybody wants. <laughs> you know what's coming. You said six, so we go 60% for Arsenal, yeah? You stick with that, yeah, well, you said earlier on? Well, I think that was, I think when you asked me about Man City, and I said 50 50 between them and Man City a few weeks back. So, how are we divvying this up? I mean, dear me. I mean, the way, I mean, I. I <laughs> I mean, United are nine on the spin, so you can't discount them. I, I, I don't think Newcastle will will push for the title. I mean, they lost Bruno Gimmerich at the weekend. I, I think it's very, I think it's very even between the three. I really do. You're going what, 33, 33, 33? Yeah. Or 60, yeah. 60, 60. Just, just, just go but didn't you just, just say earlier it was 60, 40? Just go 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, how would you divvy this up? Um, 50% Arsenal. Yes. I'll go 30 City. Yes. 20 United. There you go. Yeah. There you are, Dom. United are still third favourite. Great man, Maths. He's just made that up. He doesn't yeah. even believe it. Yeah. I'm with Stevie. He just doesn't believe it. I'm <laughs> doubting you. <laughs> How dare you. Uh, Liverpool, of course, not in the title race either, having just continue to fall apart in 2023 as we saw before the World Cup. Uh, they were thrashed by Brighton by three goals to nil. Arguably their worst performance of the season. And we heard this is what inspired the Brighton players. Looking at the individuals, there's only one player that would get in the Liverpool side that has played for Brighton and that's Caicedo. So but couldn't we have I'm said that before about Brentford? McAllister's just won the World Cup and Liverpool are struggling in the middle oh, of the Oh, don't park. give me that, Stevie. Are you telling me McAllister wouldn't get in Liverpool's midfield right now? Not their strongest midfield, no. I wouldn't right. just dismiss Jordan Henderson and Fabinho because someone is playing better elsewhere at this present time. Don, the game's played what? this weekend. So absolutely it's about yes, who's playing well and who's not. It. So, so you've I, just said that McAllister wouldn't get in the team, even though he's playing better than any of Liverpool's midfielders. Don't make a lot I of sense. I stand by up. it. I'm get not your money on a McAllister winner this weekend. It's almost definitely going to happen. Or a Curtis Jones winner. Or a Curtis Jones winner. And then you go, meh, Curtis Jones just as good. Are you buying it now, Don? <laughs> Dear me. Dear me. What I thought about what I said last week, and it was, it was, it was, it was brilliant, it was hilarious. And what I, what, I, what I meant to say was, the profile of player of McAllister does not suit Liverpool, i.e. they've got the diminutive players, they've got Carvalho, they've got Harvey Elliott, they've got Curtis Jones. What they needed was the Caicedo skill and muscle. So the one player I thought would get in that team is Caicedo. What I didn't yeah. realise is it was probably nine of them.
<laughs> well, yes, Don, as you can imagine, obviously I put out the extra time tweet earlier today. So many questions that pretty much had the same theme uh, similar to this one. Uh, Don, how many Liverpool midfielders can make it into the Brighton midfield? <laughs> None. I mean, I yeah. don't know where Jurgen Klopp was, will, will come up with the idea of playing uh, Thiago as a 10. I mean, he changed and went with a two in midfield and tried to play him at the top in a 10 and that never worked. So, uh, listen, as it stands, I've got no defence, Dan. I didn't see it coming. Do you know? Do you know? If you're a fan of a football club, whatever, whatever, whatever team you support, you can always lean on something when you see a team play. You know, if, if Liverpool or Newcastle, whoever, whoever you support, Liverpool are missing chances. You can lean on something, and you go, "Well, Darwin Nunez will come good. Jota will come back, and Diaz will come back. Oh, the goalkeeper's having a little bit of a nightmare. He'll get good. Alisson will pull off saves." There was nothing to lean on on that performance. Yeah, it was yeah. it was awful. There was probably two players. I commentated on the game. There's probably two players I would probably let off, and that was Allison in goal and probably Canate, who got overrun. He had no help whatsoever from uh, Andy Robertson, Matip, uh, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. They were probably the only two. The rest of them were, like, non-existent. It was the poorest Liverpool performance I've seen in many a year. It's a, it's a good point. There were no positives whatsoever that you could take no. from this 90-minute performance. No, not at all. No, no, no. And I actually did the, I actually did the ratings for the, that Liverpool team. Yes, I was and, here. And actually, Don, <laughs> so was I. I was, I was with you. I had Canati yeah. and Alisson. He gave Canati a ten. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, yeah, not, not, I mean, no, zero positives at all. Going in, going into Wolves, what do you do? Right. And it begs the question, right? We're always talking about coaches. Is it? How a coach coaches his side to play, or do you coach the team with the players you have? Right. So what is is Klopp is Klopp trying to get out of Liverpool something that they don't have because he keeps playing the same way? And he how long somehow it's going to work? Well, it's well, it, it just it it doesn't. Liverpool have shown from the start of the season that playing the way they are doesn't work. And it looks like the players he has available don't fit the system. And if the players don't fit the system, then it's never going to work. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk top four then. Uh, let's take a look at the odds as to who is going to finish uh, in the Champions League places. Obviously, City and Arsenal, United, you could argue, are fine now. Uh, Newcastle are five points clear of Spurs, who have played, uh, or played the same amount of games as Newcastle. Um, United, City and Arsenal have a game in hand on them. Who finishes higher, Don? Liverpool or Chelsea? They're both on 28 points at the moment. Mm. Well, we'll find out after the Liverpool-Chelsea the well, next yeah. game at Anfield. Um, <laughs> but listen, wow. it's, it's, it's the top four, I think, is going to be as it is. I'll probably have Man United finishing above Newcastle, but that's the top four. I don't see how Liverpool, the form they're in, uh, and the form that Chelsea are in, how they're going to close a 10-point gap. Who have you got? Liverpool-Chelsea, who's finishing higher? That's a tough Right now, we'd have to see Chelsea. Because of the acquisitions well, they've made? Well, because of, because of the acquisitions they've made and also they don't lose, they're not losing as many goals as Liverpool. Right. So that means that with what they've got going forward, they could, they could hit some form and somebody could catch fire. Um, and that's about it. I just, I just, it's hard to see Liverpool winning a game mm. right now, the way they're performing. But so, Club must, so I'm going with Chelsea. Jurgen Club must have watched our show on the weekend because you ask, you beg, you plead. 
Let's go back to basics. Yeah. And that's exactly what Jurgen Klopp said, that we're going to go back to basics now. The question to him would be, what are the basics right now mm. for Liverpool? Mm. But you can actually make that same question and that same argument with Chelsea. What are the basics at Chelsea? I'm going to go with Liverpool simply because I trust this team more so than I do Chelsea. And I, and I trust the manager much more so than right. I do Chelsea. And so I'm going to go with Jurgen Klopp. I'm going to believe that he is going to get this team to somehow play better defensively to compete which I think is something that Liverpool hasn't been doing for a while, competing, actually closing the ball down, which is about physical effort. And he hasn't quite been there as a group for Liverpool. I think he's going to get that right because he has to, because those are the expectations of the club. Liverpool will be better than Chelsea. Uh, a lot more reflections on what not only happened in the Premier League, but of course a huge weekend in Italy as well on the latest edition of the Gavin Jules podcast. Yeah, get in that little seat now, Jules. Uh, be sure to check <laughs> it out. stable. <laughs> Stevie mentioned it, of course, FA Cup action tomorrow. Four replays for you, including Wolves against Liverpool. We'll be here in studio for that game. Coverage starts at 2.15 Eastern. Be sure to join us. Not only Don on Ref Watch, but as always, Dale Johnson on Ref Watch as well. Be sure to check out his weekly column where he breaks down all those controversial calls in the Premier League. There is one course big talking point from the weekend when it comes to controversial decisions and that is the United equaliser. This is what former Premier League referee Keith Hackett had to say. There's no doubt Marcus Rashford is offside. He has impacted on play and he's interfering with an opponent. If we do not call that offside then the offside law is an ass. <laughs> the authorities will put up a defence of referee Stuart Atwell and argue that Rashford did not interfere with play but it is rubbish. This is the decision you cannot justify. They'll argue that, he's, that he has to touch the ball to be active. The law is awful and requires a complete rewrite. It is made even worse by the fact that Darren Can, the assistant referee, initially got the decision right. Uh, do you want to have a look at the law? Yes, here it is then. Hey. A player in offside position at the moment the ball is played or touched by a teammate is only penalised on becoming involved in active play by interfering with an opponent by making an obvious action which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball. Here he is then, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Klassenberg joins us to give us the one-on-one -on, -one <laughs> on this review. Should it have stood, Mark? It depends how you interpret the law again. Oh, it's gosh. No, simply. It goes down to the simple argument in... I can, I can see both sides of the argument here because it all comes down to what the referee deems is clearly impacting the ability of an opponent to play the ball. What I say is a Kanji steps up and because Rashford's in an offside position, he's not deemed unless he's touched it, which he doesn't. And does a Kanji have a chance to intercept this ball? And this is the very subjective argument. At this point, Kanji doesn't make enough effort to therefore intercept this ball so I can understand why Stuart Atwell has allowed the goal. But again, what Keith Hackett says, the law needs a complete rewrite. There is an argument, has Edison been impacted? But the law clearly doesn't say that he has to behave any differently of what Rashford's done. And therefore, Edison's argument that he was set, he could have saved it if Rashford had took the shot. The law doesn't explain this. And it's one of them where, again, we're using an interpretation 
what the referees interpreted, what the laws interpreted, and it needs a complete rewrite because not every scenario can be covered. Mark, just take us through the official's thought process. The linesman's got his flag up. That's your out. Yeah. You don't need to worry about why even look into it, why even think about overturning it, because you know the hoo-ha it's going to cause. I don't think anyone would have said anything about it if the, if the goal was disallowed and we just got on with things. Why interfere? Why get involved? I think if the flag had initially went up from Darren Khan, but they're now told to delay the flag till the outcome because of the, how, how VAR is operated. Many years ago, the flag would have went up, everybody would have accepted it and moved on. The problem what you've got from Darren Khan, he sees a different angle to what Stuart Atwell sees on the field of play. Darren Khan, the assistant, has a side-on view. He wouldn't have seen the distance between Akanji and Marcus Rashford. And therefore, he's interpreted that the defender had a clear chance to play the ball. However, Stuart Atwell's angle says that there was enough distance between the two players. And therefore, as Rashford doesn't touch the ball, Akanji doesn't have any chance and any ability to play the ball. So under the laws of the game, Stuart Atwell has a right to actually allow the goal. Does he give this goal at the Etihad? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it's one of... Yeah. I, think, I think it comes down, Dan, it all comes down to the way the law is written. And unless you have every scenario covered within the law... It's not going. It's not going to satisfy everybody. I can understand why Manchester City are upset and why Man United. But if it happened the other way, I think Man United would be upset with it. Would you like to shout, Stephen? I, I'm just. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Mark isn't turning around and saying, "Look, it's not a goal, but this is why it was given." It doesn't. I, I'm not getting that vibe from Mark. I'm not getting it. No. You know. And again, I don't blame the referee because the way the game's set up now, the way I see it is that it's on the VAR. They're told not to stop because maybe, maybe the linesman got it wrong. And he's told to, to let, it, let them put it in the back of the net because maybe he's not seen or, 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 or he's not seen something that he should have. Then it's on the VAR. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse. And some things since the game started and will continue to happen is you've got two types of referees. You've got a referee who understands the game who knows the rules of the game and uses the, the law as a bigger pardon in order to keep the game flowing and do the right thing and make it fair. Then you've got the other referee who knows the ball's round, he knows there should be a net in the back of the goal, he knows all these stupid laws that <laughs> if the ball cannons off somebody's backside three times, they do all that, but they, but they don't understand the game. And that guy somehow found himself in the VAR chair at the weekend. Because anybody that's ever watched football, been involved in football, to turn round and say that Rashford is not interfering, not just in one case, but in so many cases. And the other thing that I was, I, I couldn't, I, I, I was really shocked at that Mark said was, well, there's no, there's nothing to be done about Edison being involved in who's taking the shot. No, the law is an interpretation, and you have to interpret. All kinds of things. Right. And that must be one of them. Yes. So to dismiss that as well is weird. Yeah. Why are we so quick to dismiss Edison, Mark? Because it all goes down to has Edison have a chance to play the ball? Can Edison come and play the ball? That's the only part of the law 
that covers Edison or line of vision. Well, it's not line of vision in this case because he clearly sees the shot coming in. So at that time, we don't, and the law doesn't allow the choice of Edison coming out and acting, you know, how the goalkeeper acts to one player taking the shot or the other because that's, as that, Rashford... That's kind, of, that's kind of answering my question when I said about two different types of referees. One that understands the game and one that, that goes, that's just got a, a book of laws st stuck on his face. <laughs> that's what that is. Oh. Yeah, I agree. Uh, John. I agree, Steve. I agree. <laughs> Look, you can't agree now. Too late, Mark. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand what Stevie... Dan, I understand what Stevie's saying because Stevie's saying there's two types of referees. One that understands the game because not understanding the laws of the game because the laws of the game are written there. It's what we understand understanding the game. And I believe what Stevie's right. I think, as a referee, I always think that this should be given as an offside because what Rashford does, he interferes completely with the way Manchester City defend. However, the way the law is written, unfortunately, covers a goal. How are you, Don? See, I don't agree with that. I spent all last night working with Chris Foy, who's, you know, a fantastic referee, and I respect him, love him loads. But even when you see the law as it's written down in black and white, it says if you impact on a player, it says it in the law. So I don't agree with Mark neither. If you read the law and you read it, and it says it, that having the impact on another player, he'll be offside. Well, maybe take Carl Walker out of the equation. I'm not sure if Carl Walker was impacted. But a Kanji, when you first see the ball played through to Rashford, a Kanji steps to play him offside. So straight away he's had an impact on a Kanji. Then Edison, the goalkeeper, the third angle was the best angle. So you see a Kanji step. So there's the impact on a Kanji straight away. Then Darren Can, the, the linesman, from One, his two, point three, of view, four, got five, a spot six, on. Seven, eight, nine, ten. He got it spot on because he was saying to the referee, listen, Rashford was offside, but Bruno wasn't. So that was the information. This is the best angle where it's got an impact on Edison. Edison's going to take the strike off Marcus Rashford. He set himself. It's incredible that two players out of the three had an impact. This, is, this, has changed the, this has changed the course of the title race. It's changed the course of top four. I am I'm baffled by it, Dan, because in my opinion, when I read the law, it's not complex, it's pretty simple. He was offside. He had an impact on two players. One of the things that, well, there are many things that I don't understand about this, but one of the things that has been brought up is that it's not impacting Nederson, right? And so when we think about a player who's standing in an offside position and somebody takes a shot and maybe some, sometimes this player is not even looking at the ball, he's actually looking away from the goalkeeper, but he is in the eyesight or in the eye line of the goalkeeper and therefore he participates in the play and that ends up being given as an offside. Marcus Rashford is through on goal. He's facing Nederson. He's going towards Nederson, about to score the goal. And we're saying that he doesn't impact the play, that he doesn't participate in the play. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, I think we have pretty much covered all the bases uh, <laughs> on this argument. Uh, as we move on to some of the other controversial calls uh, that we saw this weekend, uh, let's start off uh, it, oh, a couple of Geordies on the show, so we know what's going to happen here. Uh, should this have been a penalty? Obviously, it wasn't given uh, initially, the Dan Byrne one, and in the end, it did, wasn't given because Kieran Trippier then would concede the penalty in the box that we'll just see coming up here, moments after the opportunity that Dan Byrne denied. There it is. And then 
VAR would tell the referee to go to the monitor, he would see that <laughs> and he would give a penalty. We're happy with that penalty decision? Absolutely. Yes. 100% of penalties. Uh, yeah. Oh. 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 oh, no. Was that done? There we go. Oh. I can't even wait. I can't even wait to hear that. Whoa. Did you but guys not see the... Did you not see the step over from Bobby Cordova Reed as he tried the trick? He stepped on Kieran Trippier's ankle. He stepped on his ankle before Trippier fouled him. So it should, it should never have been a penalty. Uh, well, let's, uh, can we have a replay of that? Honestly, have a look at it. See it. Not, I didn't see that. Right, members of the jury. So really, honestly, yeah. we, let's we, we, let's we, take we a look. Obviously, this down. is Dan. We're talking about Dan Burn in a moment. Yeah. Have a, have well, a look, that was a penalty too, by the way. We slowed yeah. it down so many times and Bobby Cordova Reed tries a step over on Kieran Trippier and as he steps over the ball to try the trick, he steps on Trippier's ankle. It's hard it's really hard to see that frame. Here we go. Have a look here. here we there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. One hundred percent a penalty. <laughs> Well, he does wow. step on him. <laughs> it does right. He does step on his right foot. So, does that mean change your mind? No, because Trippier kicks him with his left foot. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't actually. It doesn't actually stop. Like it doesn't stop Trippier kicking him with his left foot. Right. Because he well, yeah, he's still on the other one. So, so, um, um, uh, let's go to Mark. Yeah, I th I, I, we can discuss this one. I think what Don's saying. He does step on Trippier's ankle, but. Trippier then does kick away the back leg. So I can understand why the VR's recommended a review. I'm just conf I'm confused because when I watched this live, I thought the Dan Byrne one was more of a penalty. And if you mm -hmm. give the Dan Byrne one, as he pulls his arm, Dan Byrne should have been sent off. So what I watched from the referee's reaction as well, I think the referee wanted to give it. And I think he's just relied on the VAR. And then we've got a right. bit of a lottery because then the VAR hasn't called the Dan Byrne one. But for me, this changes the course of the game because if... The penalty is given against Dan Byrne. He would have been sent off. Uh, Dan Byrne, penalty. Do you agree, Don? No. Um, again, speaking to Chris Foy last night, he said to me it didn't meet the threshold. Don't know if Mark oh. agrees. It was a little <laughs> tall. Oh, Don't start that. That's the rule. Your BFF, Chris Foy. It doesn't meet the threshold. The law. Did he pull him? The law. The law says. Did he pull him? Did he pull him? Did he pull him? Meet the threshold. Threshold of what? What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Threshold well, of what? That's mark what it means. That's, that's, that's the law. I think what's what the threshold of Don? Don, what's the threshold? What do you mean when you say threshold? Well, I don't know. I can't measure well, don't on how someone knows someone's someone shirt. I don't know what a threshold is. If you keep hold of someone's shirt for five seconds or ten seconds, it's a penalty. It's a little nudge, if you, man. If you pull somebody, right? Ask is that a foul? What, what the threshold is. If you pull somebody, is that a foul? Not necessarily. Don? Oh, Not necessarily, no. Not necessarily. threshold, Stevie. Mark, you say penalty, red card. Yeah, because that, I don't say about this threshold. If the referee gives the penalty, then the VR would support the decision 100%. The referee doesn't give it, and therefore he's now relying on the VR. If you see this angle, I mean, angle you clearly yeah. see his yeah. arm getting pulled, he's in on goal, <laughs> he's got a clear goal scoring opportunity, so... I don't get this argument about thresholds or anything. The decision is clearly <laughs> wrong for me. There you go. Mark, how much do you hate Chris Foy? <laughs> <laughs> Read me book. Read me book. Oh! Hey! oh! oh! I mean, that's, that's it. Oh! That's it. I say it. I it. Oh. Sell it. Oh. Sell that book, that's Mark. Wow, there you go. Oh. Wow, Dom. You picked the wrong side, Dom. Yep. Yep. Wow, I'm on that. Well, 
<laughs> Dear me, I'm going to go and buy it now. <laughs> uh, let's go to Ivan Tony, uh, who won the penalty against Bournemouth uh, in their victory. Uh, Brentford, of course, flying at the moment. Is this a penalty, in your opinion, Mark? No. I think what Ivan Tony does very cleverly, he links the, the arm of the defender, yeah. he locks the arm of Pulls the defender, him. pulls him, and then throws himself down when he feels a bit of contact when he gets inside the penalty area. For me, this should have been a defensive free kick because the foul it's... by the defender was first. You're right, Stevie. Why does the VAR not see that? Uh, why I does mean, the VAR seriously? not see that, Mark? Why does the VAR not? It's the first thing you can see. Who is the He's VAR? He's got his arm, his arm pulled in. Look, but let's listen get, to I mean, Chris how Foy. clear? <laughs> God. <laughs> hey, I got to tell you, though. the threshold. <laughs> I, I almost shed a tear when I saw this. Got emotional. Oh. This is beautifully done from Ivan Tony. It is okay. wonderful. Okay. It's what Ridiculous. we teach in my diving camp. Uh, word on this for you, Don. Oh, honestly, Ivan Tony's got Senesi and an arm lock. Surely, yeah. surely, Sorry. when you watch that back, if you're sat in VAR, surely you spot that. That is that is basic for me. That's simple. Uh, uh, clearly not. That's good. Um, that's it uh, for Mark Clatterberg. We'll say thank you very much. His, uh, the threshold. his book available in most bargain bins around the world. Be sure to <laughs> check it out. Uh, extra time, as always, available on our YouTube channel. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The classic. The classic. The world looks in to global giants prepare to go head to head there's top quality players all over the park uh, who comes to the floor today Lewandowski Gabi gives Barcelona the lead he is the wonder kid of Barcelona they defend deep to mistake chance here for a second Lewandowski takes the possession Lewandowski scores the sharpshooter does it again well, a shock to the system of Real Madrid. El rebote está Pedro. Barcelona are having the ball. The kids combine. Xavi and his first final strikes goal. Real Madrid. But things aren't looking good at the moment for them. And he's got a lot of work to do, Ancelotti. Barcelona are back. The Catalan footballing revolution gathers pace. A brilliant performance from Barcelona, the front page of Marca going for super menus, super thrashing. Uh, Mundo Deportivo goes with Vuelve El Campeón, uh-huh. which is the uh, champion, is back, return of the champion. El Super Barca de Super Gavi, so it's the front page of ours, uh, Super Gavi, Super Barca, which I think even you could have worked out. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Steve, this was the best version of Barcelona we've seen in a very long time, Ali. And just for accuracy, Super Meneo. Which is a super baile, which then means it's like Barcelona, we're dancing around. Yeah, I was going to say that, I just didn't want to take up too much time. Okay, all right. Just making sure we got it out there clearly. Uh, yes, it was on, on different levels. When you see Gabi and Pedri playing at this level, when they are able to combine in the manner in which they did, the pressure that Barcelona were able to put on Real Madrid Pressure, counter-pressure, creating turnovers, and from the turnovers right away, you're scoring goals. When Barcelona were at their very best with Pep Guardiola, it's something that they did very well, naturally did very well, that even when they turned the ball over, they were able to regain possession right away. And then the transitions going forward that we saw from Barcelona, sometimes they were sitting back and waiting for that moment in which they could win the ball, and once they won it, now they're going forward and they're committing those numbers for with speed, which we don't always see from Barcelona. Sometimes they fall in love with the possession. Sometimes they fall in love with passing the ball sideways and back. But when there was a chance to get forward, they did so quickly. They were playing at a different speed than what Real Madrid were playing. And I think this is concerning from Real Madrid's perspective. But if you're Barcelona, you're encouraged by a couple things in that this game matter. Whatever you may think of the Supercopa, and the importance of the trophy. I'm talking about the game, that it was a final, that a trophy was was at play, and you're playing against Real Madrid. You, as Barcelona, this group, haven't always been successful in that sort of scenario, and they were here. They are played Real Madrid, they deserve to win, and I think it sends a very, very powerful message to Real Madrid, of course, but it sends a powerful message to Barcelona in that we can win games like this. We haven't been able to do so with consistency under Xavi, but we proved to ourselves that we can win games like this when it matters. I think this is an important step forward for, for Barcelona and certainly for Xavi as well. Xavi and Pedri are not normal. Mm-hmm. They're just not normal. 18 and 20. Absolutely not normal. Normally what happens with most teams, particularly the best teams, is you get young players and they come in and they mature 
And then when they're a little older, 23, 24, when you get to big games and big finals, then they start producing. Mm -hmm. These two are doing it right now. The, these two are in the middle of all the important plays and all the important things that happen for Barcelona in such a big game. They are front, centre, right in the middle of it and putting the ball in the back of the net. I mean, they're not normal. You famously said, obviously, you would uh, disown your own son to adopt Pedri, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I didn't quite use those terms, that okay? That's what I read between the lines. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Gavi or Pedri now is a real conversation that maybe we weren't having even at the start of the season. Well, what, what you like about Gavi is there is a certain nastiness about him. Yeah. There's, a, there's a chip on the shoulder. There's a bite. It's obviously a kid that has always been told you're too small to play. Nah, you're, you're too little. Yes, I can relate. Well, I know. I know full well that you can relate. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just a guy who's I, – I, I look at him as a guy who's always had to fight to be in the position that he is in. And he's not going to let go of this opportunity. He's going to hang tight to this opportunity. Pedri, on the other hand, is, is more, much more of a fluid player, much more of a guy who the touches are silky, effortless at times in how he's able to get away from people. The balance of the two, the combination of the two is what makes Barcelona uh, really interesting for the next decade if you're able to keep both players. As for Xavi and the decision that he made yesterday, in that I'm going to have Gavi on the field. I'm obviously going to have Pedri on the field. Yep. I, I'm going to have Busquets on the field, but Busquets needs help. So I'm going to have De Jong as well. So we're not going to go with three strikers. We're going to go with either Gavi or Pedri, who will be on the left-hand side, and they're going to tuck inside, and we're going to have a fourth midfielder. And that, in some ways, is to be able to press higher up the field with more energy, but also to protect Sergio Busquets. You have the activity of Frankie de Jong, and Busquets can still give you the transition as an outlet when you're playing the ball from the back. He can still find a pass. He just can't defend. Now you protect him, allow Gabi and Pedri to do the run in front of you, and of course you have Dembele, who I've been critical of Osmane Dembele. And while yesterday he missed a couple of chances, I also saw things from Dembele that I think are very encouraging from Barcelona's perspective. Sliding challenge in the middle of midfield, yeah. winning the ball back, playing with intensity, you get all of that, and on top of that, you got Lewandowski scoring goals. It is, it is why you, you get excited about Barcelona and why it is so disappointing when they're not able to deliver this with consistency. This is Barca's first trophy without Lionel Messi since mm. 1999. It's very much the start of a, of a new era for Barca, mm. new era as Xavi in charge. Yep. As Ali said, it's the Spanish Super Cup. Yep. Say what you like about it. How important is it just to get that first trophy under your belt? can't tell you how important it is because it's out the way. Nobody's ever going to bring it up ever again that you haven't won a trophy. Right. And as far as confidence is concerned, again, it comes down to you know you've done it. And not only have you done it, you know, it's different if you beat Real Sociedad in the final. The fact that it's Real Madrid you beat in the mm -hmm. final and the fact that you did it the way you did with the young guys being your stars... Wow, you talk about, you talk about travelling home on the plane and going, by the way, we are the team to beat in Spain now. We are the team. Uh, Real Madrid have been rubbish of late. Mm. We know that. We've yeah. seen it. But in the past when they've been rubbish, when it comes to big games, the big boys turn up. No one turned up yesterday. No. And overall, the feeling that I got from watching Real Madrid, there is a lack of energy to this team that is concerning because it feels as if... The minds have always been there, 
and the legs were there when they needed them. And while the minds might still be there, the legs are simply not there. The level of energy did not match Barcelona at any point. The turnovers, unnecessary turnovers coming out of the back, things that you wouldn't expect from a midfield of this experience. And then you start looking at players, and I'm just going to single out a couple of players that had been excellent for Real Madrid and just simply haven't been post-World Cup. And even just prior to the World Cup, they hadn't been all that great. Valverde, who was excellent at the beginning of the season and gave this team so much energy. It's a word that I've used a couple of times for Real Madrid and how much they like that energy. You don't see the back and forth that he was giving you in the early part of the season. You don't see the guy who's able to cover over there on the right-hand side but then talk to the, towards the middle and be able to help out Modric and Kroos. You're not seeing that from him. He, you're also not seeing the impact that he has on the game. And maybe it's just tired legs, maybe it's tired minds, maybe it's the World Cup catching up with him. Whatever the case may be, it's just not happening right now for Federico Valverde. I'm going to give him an excuse. I'm going to give him a pass. But the guy that I'm going to sing aloud the most, I'm going to say, because it's symptomatic of what Real Madrid are right now, is Vinny Jr. I don't know what his deal is. But I can tell you right now, he's more concerned about arguing, about drawing fouls, about diving, about all the other things that have nothing to do with him being an impactful player. What I love about Vinny Jr. is that when he, when he gets the ball, he goes and tests the defender right away, 1v1 situation. I can run past you. I'm going to create something. Now it's a step over, step over, step over here, this, that, and the other. Nothing productive in the end of it. And... He's just essentially attracting attention, turning the ball over, and I'm okay if he turns the ball over as long as he gets back and defend. He's not doing that either. All he's doing is from his knees complaining about a foul that was never there and walks back. You're seeing that too much from him, and I think it's about that time for Ancelotti to make some decisions and just give a little reminder to Vinny Jr. that he is not uh, a no-doubter starter that he's not just a guy that can just show up yeah. and not do the work that he's required. If you need to sit on the bench with me here for a little while so that you can get an appreciation of what the effort that it was required to be out there, we're going to go ahead and do that. Carlo Ancelotti is going to have to make some changes just to shake this team a little bit. I think they're a little too comfortable. Uh, it, it's a little bit Liverpool-esque, and you just feel that everyone is out of form at the moment. Mm. Uh, everyone seems to be dragging each other down. Yeah, I don't... <sighs> You know, the, the, the Vinicius one's a little bit of the superstar thing that has to be... Yeah. They have to file the edges down. Yeah, but if anyone can do that, Ancelotti can. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't really blame Vinny Jr. because he's all of a sudden gone from the guy who supposedly nobody should pass the ball to to being a world superstar. And everybody takes time to adjust to that. And once he adjusts and realises that the reason he got there is because he was doing all that stuff as well as all the good stuff on the other side. The other thing as well is when you're dealing with players 30 plus, sometimes you turn up and it's not there. The right. legs aren't there. And you're looking at Cruz and you're looking at Modric. And again, Valverde's again in a situation of all of a sudden he's burst on the scene. He's been fantastic. It seems like he's a really important player for Real Madrid, but he, again, is going to fall into the same bracket as Vinny a little, where there has to be a, pla has to be a level and off of, of 
what he does every single time he steps on the field. To, to, to be so good for four or five months and then go to the World Cup takes maturity. Maybe he's not quite matured yet. So when you put all these things together on the field against a side like Barcelona, who seemingly play that the best, then you're going to look very, very average. So, yes, you should be concerned, but at the same time, there are things that can be ironed out, right. as opposed to, you mentioned in Liverpool, yes. who really are just in a shambles. Liverpool-Real Madrid, of course, in the Champions League. Oh, uh, next month. Yeah. Uh, not what Real Madrid needed either. Coming up this week, Copa del Rey, away against Villarreal. Not an easy place to go, of course, we know. Uh, for Barca and Elysia, they're away against Quetta. Both of those games live on Thursday on remind ESPN. Real Madrid lost to Villarreal at Villarreal. Last weekend. Yes, they did. They <laughs> did, Ali, yes. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Uh, that's it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you very much uh, for watching. Stay tuned, though. Don is back, Ali and Stevie as well, for extra time. Welcome in, then, to the latest edition of Extra Time. Don Hutchison. What's wrong, Don? Oh, jeez. Oh, shaking your head at own goals. Oh, <laughs> own goals are oh, yes, we said them earlier in the, in the show. The own goals, quite something. Uh, Ali's here. Stevie's here as well. Stevie's home alone mm. at the moment. Ooh. Just you and the dog, isn't it? Eleanor's uh, in Scotland. Uh, but fear not, Eleanor has uh, left him prepared. Uh -huh. This is what she left for him before she left. Have we got the... Uh, the pictures, that's it. Oh, that's, a, oh. that's a bin full of rations. Oh, chips. Is that rations? Honestly. <laughs> I mean, like Chris. Oh, like chips. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> she filled it. She went, oh, it's a chocolate. Oh, boy. you're hungry. Stevie. I got you some, some crisps and some chocolate while I'm away. I was like, oh, thanks. Where's the bin? I, mean, I saw the bin. I love it. It's, like a, it's a dog bin, yes. Honestly, <laughs> aye. It's like... <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do? Sit and eat all day? Oh, well, yeah. Can you not just boil, <laughs> you not just boil some veg, Stevie? <laughs> That's a funny right. joke, Don. Okay, oh, so okay. Oh, my goodness. It's all frozen. It's all so, in the freezer. So how long will that last you? 
That massive bucket of chips. <laughs> oh well, she's back for ages, so oh. it'll still be. They'll, they'll still be in there. I've still be... got plenty. All the, all the food is free, frozen. Perfect. Yeah. What sort of uh, food is there that's frozen? Mm. Um, I wonder. Well, it's in little, it's in little packages. Right. Like mince, turnip, potatoes. Right. Yes. Peas. Right. Spaghetti bolognese, spaghetti bolognese. Going all ground beef, yes. Is there any meal that doesn't involve ground beef? No. Right, okay. good. <laughs> we are, glad Even the we... dog is ground beef. <laughs> For everyone, but Don. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Ooh. If you're Manchester United, who do you try and sign in the summer? Kane or Osun? I mean, it's... Oh, oh. Right, number one. Right. Kane. Whichever way you go isn't a, isn't a bad move. No. Right. Right. But it depends. If we're going to go longevity, then you go for Osimhen. Yep. It's probably going to cost you as much for Kane as it would for Osimhen as well. Okay. So I would I would err on the side of Osimhen. I would go with Osimhen. Okay. Just because he's going to be around for the next... Eight seasons? Yeah. Ali? I would err on the side of the guy that I know is going to score goals in the Premier League. Oh. And that is Harry Kane. Wow. So we go to the biggest Osman lover ever yeah. for the tiebreaker. Harry Kane. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, seriousness. I think, honestly, I think, I think so. You know, you know how much I love Osman. I think he's amazing. But I just think Harry Kane does it down in the Premier League. You've got, wow. you've got, and there's not, there's, there's he no. He said the other day, no, 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 Osimhen was the best number nine best on the Best number on nine on the, on the planet. He is, he is, he is. But Harry well, Kane doesn't but have you to acclimatise. He doesn't have to acclimatise, Stevie. He'd walk into Man United, bang in thirty goals a season, guaranteed. That was. No, I don't. I, listen, yeah. I'm not arguing he wouldn't score goals. I just, if, for Don, the money. Don, you were you were a captain back in the day. Whenever mm -hmm. Maguire comes into the game, Bruno has to hand over the armband to him. If you were in his shoes, wouldn't that be awkward? When would there be the right time to make Bruno club captain? Uh, it would be awkward, actually, um, if Bruno is giving Maguire the captain's armband for five, ten minutes of a game when they're hanging on or when they're winning comfortably and the man is making changes. It, it makes you feel like a bit of a spare part. Fans out there don't really get how players are feeling inside. And maybe it's a little bit selfishness. Maybe it's a little bit, not an ego as in having like a massive head and an ego thing, but just because you're a pro. I've come on in games when we've been winning two or three nil when I've been a sub and I'd literally two or three minutes of a game and I felt horrendous after a game. All the lads are in the dressing room celebrating, what a win, music's on and I'm sitting there moody, which I was never moody. You know, I was always half, half full in the dressing room, but you just feel like, I, I, I didn't. I didn't play a part of it. Like I didn't contribute. Like this, you, you, you lads won. I can't celebrate. I can't celebrate playing two minutes. So it would get really awkward. I would celebrate. <laughs> there you go. Milk that. <laughs> I don't know why Maguire wouldn't go to the manager and say, "Look, I'm obviously not your captain. So can we just forget that?" Really? That was a conversation that you would. Well, it's embarrassing. I would personally, I would be embarrassed. Right. If I was Maguire. Really? Well, hmm. well, well, you're not, for a start, you're not playing. Yeah. You've been getting slaughtered by every man and his dog, particularly your own fans, 
Not so much recently, though. Things have come. Only because he's not played. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if I was Maguire, I would just have a word with the, with the man and say, look, I, I, I'm not... I'm not happy with this. Right. It's unsettling. I don't. If I'm not even playing, I don't right. feel you should be the captain. So if you don't mind, forget it. I don't even know why it is important that whenever Maguire or whoever the sitting captain is, whoever is sitting on the bench, why is it important for the guy to run across the field to give, hand them over the captain arms band? It's Unnecessary faff. It is. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what it is. Mm. And I don't think the players are all too concerned about it. Right. And certainly the fans aren't either or shouldn't be. This, this is a non-story. I, I don't understand why is it that the players feel the need to do this. Stevie, how do you manage an out-of-form player? Do you bench him and maybe damage, damage his confidence more, or keep playing him and hope he regains it? So say I'm playing Stevie. I'm oh, a bit of a rough yeah, spot. It's, it, 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 it's not straightforward. There's a whole lot of things go into it. Is it oh, I imagine it's a different approach for different people. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Some guys you just let them play through it. Okay. Some guys, mm. some guys for their own good, you have to take them out and let them sit, and then start. And how again. do you know what the what the gauge is? You've got to know your players. Okay. Right? Coaches, ha coaches have to know their players. They have to know what goes on pretty much inside their head in order to make those types of decisions. Right. And a coach that doesn't know his players will will do the wrong thing because of it. So it's huge that the coach understands what makes the player tick and what. What's going on? What? It's the classic. Some guys need a size 12 up the backside, and other ones you need to give them a nice little cuddle. You've got, you got to figure it out as a coach. I think I'd prefer a cuddle. Yeah, you would. Well. You know, I always, I always got the sense that there were times in which coaches that needed to make tough decisions, when somebody got injured, it was almost a blessing in disguise. It's like, oh, whew. Right, that was a let off. Didn't have to take this guy off. Well, you know, you're injured, what can I tell you? One of the, I think, determining factors is that the guy who gets an opportunity coming off the bench for 25, 30 minutes, whatever, if that guy is looking like like he can have an impact, that he can help you win games, he comes in, scores a goal, he comes in and plays well, that starts making the, the, the decision and the discussion a whole lot easier than it would have been otherwise. Because if you don't trust the guy that is coming off the bench, then you're you're grinding with whoever you got out there, even though he may be struggling. It's great when that happens, you know. When someone gets injured? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, when, when you're kind of toying with pulling somebody, because right. they're not, and then on the Thursday or the Wednesday, something like that, they end up picking up something, and you go back in the, you go back in the coach's uh -huh. room and go... <laughs> <laughs> what a stroke of luck that is, yeah. and, they don't, and then they don't play, and then if somebody does well and they're fit the next week, you're like, well, I can't change the team. <laughs> Don, what was the best approach when you were rubbish? I didn't mind. Just, just, just give me it. Just give me, just you know, kick up the backside. I, I didn't mind it. I didn't. I didn't need a cuddle. Um, I think it depends on where you play as well, Dan. If you take, if we, if we chat in Liverpool and you go, well, Alexander Arnold's having a tough time, or Virgil van Dijk's having a tough time, as a defender, I think you'd want to be, or you wouldn't want to be, but the manager's, if he takes you off and he rests you, if it's a forward like, say, Mo Salah or Darwin Nunez, you know it's, you know it's only a matter of time before Salah scores again. So those are the types of players I think you play through bad form because you know they're going to hit the back of the net in the next game, the game after, whatever it is, where someone like Alexander Arnold or a defender who's going through a rough time, 
you can't rely on them. You've got to take them out the side and then you've got to make, just sit them down and, and try and rebuild their confidence. So I think it helps on where you, or depends on where you play. For the lads, with Veghorst standing six foot six, can you recall a teammate who was that tall? If yes, how did he perform? There's a, I really wish there was a picture of me interviewing Peter Crouch back in the day. Because it's just like... <laughs> played against him. What played was that like, Don? Down Anfield. To be, to be honest, Dan, I played against him and Fernando Torres. That was Liverpool's front two. And yep. what you've got to make sure is if you're playing against Fernando Torres, you defend deep, which we did, so there's no room for Torres to run in behind. But if you're defending someone like Crouchy, who's you know a, a foot or so taller than you, what you've got to do is you've got to get touch tight. So you stand with him, so you can physically impose him. You can use the little dark art where you might have a little tug on the shirt or you might just put your arm around his waist to stop him from jumping. You can't let them get them run and jump. If, they get, if, it, if a guy like Crouchy gets to run and jump on you, forget about it, your history. Second balls. You know, uh, all things being equal, somebody who's that tall is going to win the header. Right. So... You've just got to make sure when you follow well, up. Well, yes, if you, go if you go touch tight, then you better be all over him. And you better be hitting him as he's going to head it. The other way is you just drop off. You know, because some of these guys aren't the brainiest of players and they'll just keep flicking it on. And so if you've got brains, then you, you kid on your goal with him, you just drop off and he flicks it on, you pull it down with your chest, get a cigar out and then you play. Who did you play like? like who was that? Does anyone ring a bell? Quinny? Really Niall Quinn? Niall Quinn yeah, was Niall the best Quinn. Yeah, Niall Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, and, and Niall's a great example. Right. Mm. He wasn't that and, smart. No. <laughs> That's what he was just... No he, no, he was smart, but he was a great example of... You had to decide on the day where he was. Because people forget, Niall might have been six foot whatever, but when Niall was about 26, 27, he was rock hard. Right. He, looked like, he, he looks like a big gangly piece of whatever. Yes. But actually, Niall was really strong. So... It wasn't somebody that you could get touched tight to unless you were as big as him. How did you deal with big defenders all over you? Whenever you mentioned that, well, <laughs> I, I didn't try to deal with them, Dan. <laughs> we were playing against Brazil in Brazil. And obviously it's not like we play with three strikers when we play Brazil in Brazil with Venezuela. It's just one striker and it's me. And I'm just trying to hang on to the ball, draw a foul so that we can get our lines forward. I was playing the center backs at the time, I think, were Luisao and Juan. Luisao, if you're not familiar with him, was gigantic. And so my game was about playing with my back to goal and I just kind of get in this turtle mode kind of thing. The ball comes to here and it's difficult to get around because I'm a little wide, right? And I have big backside as well. Uh, well, Luisao didn't want to deal with any of that. He just put his leg. All I saw was his leg above my shoulder. I was like, <laughs> reaching over to get the ball. And I'm like, well, I can't compete with that. Wow. Yeah, I can't win a header and I can't compete with a leg that comes over my shoulder to win the ball. Made it quite challenging. I bet it did. <laughs> Stevie thinks Lissandro Martinez is overrated. John thinks that McAllister isn't good enough for Liverpool. Ali, surely you two have a wild take like this. Tell us which current player you think is overrated. Wow. Should have done my homework from mm. this. Can I throw Declan Rice into it, Don? Are you going to shout at me? No. <laughs> Love him. <laughs> Love him. I'll I tell you who I want to see more of, Dan. Enzo Fernandez. He's only played 50 top flight games and he was valued at 
you know, whatever it was, 100, 110 million. Oh, he's, I you're anti-Argentinian re- rhetoric. No, 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 no. no I wouldn't ju- I, like I said, like I said two weeks, like I said last week, I would never judge a player on a World Cup. You wouldn't sign Otamendi, won the World Cup. Wouldn't sign Papu Gomez, won a World Cup. Wouldn't sign Juan Foyt, won a World Cup. I'm just going to keep listening, people. Don. Who's overrated, Ali? Well, and, and just because it's breaking hot news, I guess. Mudrik. Oh, uh, he's young. Well, but he's, it's not his fault. He's hundred million, is it? Well, I, I, right. But somebody's rated him high enough to where you're willing to pay that amount of money, right? And so you're saying he's rubbish. I'm not sure that that's exactly what I have said, Dan. I'm just <laughs> unproven. Let's just say that. He nearly went to Germany for 30 million in the summer. What are you saying, Don? He nearly went to Germany for 30 million in the summer, and Chelsea have just paid 100. Mm. Yep. There we go. That is it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you very much. I do like Alexis McAllister, by the way. (laughs) It is Liverpool against Wolves tomorrow in the FA Cup. The replay, me and Steve will be here uh, to reflect on that. Shaka joining us as well. Predictions, Stevie? Quickly, just Uh, just to the side. I don't... Win on penalties. Wolves? Liverpool. Oh, man. Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash FC.